Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcast. The support that in the backing that we have is just so powerful. It, it helps. It juices you up a little bit, and it makes you just want to, you know, do so well for everyone. Play, play so well for these fans, and that's um, what they deserve. WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns from Bears Training Camp in Bourbon A. I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. And we we talk about it in our team meetings. This city and these fans are special. With WGN's Adam Hogue and from The Athletic, Adam Johns. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Here they are, the Adams. Johns. That's right, welcome back, Adam Johns. It feels good to be back. Does it though? You're back in Burberry. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind Burberry. I don't either. I miss staying in the dorms. Bourbon has grown on me over the years. It still looks the same. I don't see anything new. Nothing new at all. No, there really isn't anything. But it feels good. It feels good to be seen. It feels feels good to work again. Yeah, Adam John's back here with us. Uh, we love him. We lo- we thank Kevin Fishbane for filling in. You'll continue to the Fishman. You'll hear from the Fishman a lot uh, throughout the season and uh, throughout the preseason as well here too. But good to have you back here, Adam John's. Uh, my I do is- want to thank everybody for the, for their kind words on social media. I was dealing with a, a family matter with my, my my youngest son, and but all is good. All should be better. We're here. We're working. We're back to normal. All right, well, that's good to hear because the Johns family is among the best, so it's great to hear. And, uh, of course, you can follow Adam Johns' first tweets from training camp, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Mine are the same old boring ones you get every day and have for a week You now. have a new, uh, um, it's not an avatar, but a new picture. It is an avatar. I think that's what they call okay. them. At Adam Hoke. What, uh, what do you think about that? It's, uh, it's okay. See, yeah, <laughs> most people have been nicer than you. They like it? Yeah. What have they said? So Tell me why they're being nice, or, or what have they said that's wow, so nice? Wow, you really don't like it. <laughs> I question anybody that changes their avatar. Well, first of all, my wife says she didn't like the one I had. Okay. And we got a whole... We got uh, new headshots done. WGN Radio had everybody in last week okay. to get new headshots. And, um, you know what we need? Is our own version of Bitmojis. Oh yeah, I forgot about the whole Bitmoji thing. Remember the whole Bitmoji thing yeah, back at, at in uh, March? Yes, in Arizona. Andy Reid and his pancakes, Matt Nagy and his visor, Brad Childress and his hamburgers. <laughs> right? Yeah, wasn't yes. that it? Yes. Um, yeah, Andy Reid and the thing. Anyway, so she's like, you you should use one of the photos, but I can't just use the boring because they took like the regular professional stare at the camera yeah. things and then they wanted us to have fun. They were like, you know, pretend like you're tossing a pizza, you know? Yeah. And then there was one where I was like catching a punt and all it looked like I was praising <laughs> God or something. <laughs> Wait, was there a real ball or just mimicking catching a punt? Yeah, just mimicking. I can show it to you. It's in my, it's, it's on my phone. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'll have to tweet these out so everyone can see what I'm talking about. But then, um, there was one right at the end where someone in the room was like, do the Heisman, and I just did it. So yeah. it seemed to be a good football oh, it works, avatar it works. What I don't like are the people who change their avatars and their handles often. 
Oh, no, yeah. Some people do that. I hadn't changed mine in like almost two years. Yeah, yeah that's sure. like grounds for me to unfollow you almost immediately. Well, if you change them all the time? Yes. Oh, it does, yes. Yeah. I will say, it does kind of mess with your brain as you're scrolling through and you expect to see something because you, you follow who you follow yeah. and you got somebody else. But for you, it's just a nice new avatar for Bourbon A. You should get one, too. Yeah, I do need one. Yeah, okay. It's overdue. All right. Uh, well, that's all on Twitter. Um, you can also read us, wgnradio.com slash bears. Uh, Ten Bears things from earlier in the week. You can still read them. They're still up. They're still fresh. And Adam Johns will have some new stuff on The Athletic, theathletic.com. And The Athletic app. Looks like you already got some stuff up. Yeah, I sat down with uh, longtime equipment manager Tony Medlin the other day. Talked to Devin Hester. Talked to Charles Tillman, Tom Waddle, Tom Thayer, Richard Denton, Otis Wilson for the story. I don't people know this, wow. but their equipment manager for the Bears has been here 33 years. He's got quite some stories. From yes. Walter Payton to Mitch Trubisky. Check it out. Yeah, Tony Medlin uh, does know what he's doing. I'm supposed to talk to Tony because uh, good old Ed Farmer was like... When I was going to Bourbon A, he was like, hey, tell Tony to get me some bear swag. Uh, oh, yeah. See, everybody so, loves Tony. I yeah, haven't followed through on that yet. Yes. But Tony is the best. Yes, he is. Uh, except when he blows the air horn right in your ear. Ah. ah. That does not feel good. Uh, which happens sometimes here in Bourbon A. All right. Uh, we better get the football talk. Please rate, review, subscribe, the whole deal. Tell your friends. Uh, I ended the podcast with this, and I'll say it again. Thank you to everyone, and we had it a couple times today during practice that stops us during practice, says hi, tells us about yes, the podcast. Yes, don't hesitate. Yeah, come say hello. Appreciate the shout-outs. We'll give you the shout-outs back uh, on the podcast. So thanks to those that, that uh, have said hi down here in Bourbonnet. We are always friendly, and uh, and enjoy that. So this is this Please is that do. time where we can interact with you in person because the rest of the year is walled off. Yes, don't just add us at Twitter. Come say hello. Yes, absolutely. Um, and if you are coming down to Bourbonnet, let's see, we are recording. Recording this on Thursday. Friday's practice will be the first one where they're going to go live. That was according to Matt Nagy today. Now, that's still a pretty short period. It sounds just like goal line. Goal line, short yardage type situation. But when I say live, that means that people can be tackled. They wear the pads. The Most of the stuff that happens on the line is legit. But when it comes to actually tackling the guy with the football, hitting a guy that's coming across the middle. Like, there was a play today where Deion Bush made a great play to break up the pass from Allen Robinson that was intended for Allen Robinson. But if that had been a live situation, I think he would have blown Allen Robinson yep. up, and that would have been a very dangerous situation. So it was nice to see that you can still break up the play without killing the guy. Yes, but, but that's, you know, that's actually what the NFL wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Not take a guy's head off, but the situation did present itself for some head taking off. <laughs> Which is also, by the way... Uh, when they do go live, they usually keep it the short yardage situation, so you avoid those collisions yes. downfield because that's how you get guys hurt in training camp. Yes, it is. So, uh, what were your first impressions? This is your first practice here. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just what everybody said. We were talking about this before we started recording. The defense looks a bit ahead of the offense. It's it's a cl- camp cl- cliche. I'm writing about this right now for The Athletic. Uh, to say that, you just look around the league, the defenses, for a lot of teams, are ahead of the offenses. The offenses require more time to get things in the sink. And I know that may sound alarming because Trubisky's in level 202 and you want him to, to be better in year three, year two in Nagy's offense, but it's just not that way right now. Yes, the, the highlights, they were there offensively. 
Yep. I mean, Trubisky had a couple touchdown passes in the red zone, but you know what? The defense, this this Bears defense is still pretty damn good. And this may sound like very obvious, but today when I watch practice, I'm like, they're going to be better off for it. There's a significant drop-off between the Bears defensive starters and their backups. But together, when they're on the field, they're exceptional. They're all over the field. Buster Screen's fitting right in. I don't think they're going to miss Bryce Callahan. Ha Clinton Dix returned today. But, look, that defense can only make that offense better. So I asked Matt Nagy today if it's harder to evaluate his offense. Like, when they go back and they've watched, they watch practice over and over again, they're watching the tape, they're evaluating it. You know, these guys are getting graded every single day. Is it harder to evaluate your offensive players and your offensive performance when you're going up against a defense this good. Like, perfect example, Khalil Mack had one of his signature Khalil Mack plays today. He beats the left tackle, Charles Leno Jr., gets his hands up, bats down the pass from Mitch Trubisky, and then catches it to complete the interception. It was an incredible play that very few edge rushers in the league can even make. Well, I'm not going to get on Charles Leno Jr. for losing that rep because everybody loses that rep. When Cleo Mack wants to bring it out 110%. And he is here by all accounts. He is, but look, we've had this conversation before. Mack, oh, I remember talking to, to uh, Brandon Staley, the Bears' former outside linebackers coach, last year about this. It's not that Mack isn't going 100% on every play, but he is so technical that he can set his guys up by kind of raising and lowering the intensity level, if that makes sense. Like, he can diagnose before a snap. Sometimes if a play is going to go to the other side, he can lull a guy to sleep. And then third down, money debt and pass rush situation brings it up to another gear. So it's not a criticism that he's not... It's, it would be inaccurate. Here's the easiest way to put it. He's always bringing 100%. All of a sudden, he kicks it up to 110 sometimes. Right. That's that extra gear that he has, and he'll, set, he'll lull, lull you to sleep and then kill you. That's what Khalil Mack does. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting this in my athletic story. We, we talked about it in the stands. Do you remember a few years ago, plays like that would never happen. They weren't even allowed to make such plays. Oh, yeah, because Tressman didn't let you knock because the ball Because Mark down. Tressman refused to allow his defensive linemen to put their hands up. Because, But that speaks to what you started the podcast with, that the defense is always ahead of the offense. Tressman's rule on that was he didn't want passes batted down because it disturbed the flow of practice. Like, they were trying to get in as much offensively as they could. Yes, yes, they wanted to see things completed. And he wasn't putting enough stock in that you still have to compete. Like, yes. Charles Leno is still going to learn from that rep today, yeah. even though I'm Mr. not going to get going to learn from that rep. Sure. You know what? Khalil Mack, look, what did the NFL Network have him at in terms of the player voting? Number, Number three. three. Number three. Look, there's still other very damn good defensive ends out there. Trubisky's going to have to loft the ball over a few of them coming up this season. Is he not? So sure. he's better off for having experienced a pass rush like that, for having to see uh, well, I think it was a screen or whatever it was, you know, get completely blown up by a freak athlete that is Cleo Mack. They can only grow and benefit from this. That's yeah. it. But, look, to get back to the original thing, I'm not at all worried about the offense yet. Now, Fair. if it looks disjointed a couple weeks from now, maybe. If they really struggle in the preseason games, maybe. But I'll also say, like when you got here today and you asked me about Trubisky, I've, I've been, 
I, I told you what I, I think I said on this podcast the other day too. He looks fine. Like he looks comfortable. I, I'm. I still see. I guess my only complaint about what he's doing down here is he's not always been completely accurate. But the operation of the offense looks smooth. The going through his reads looks better. I mean, he does look more polished as yeah. a quarterback yeah. in that regard. Could he be more accurate? Certain, certainly. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say you can't prove your accuracy. I would always oh, I disagree with that. I would always say that. It's also easier to be more accurate when you don't have a Keem Hicks in your face. Right. And when you get more comfortable in an offense, you're going to be more accurate. So I'm, there's no reason to panic. I think the bigger headline actually from this conversation is that under new defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano, this defense still looks as dominant as it possibly can yes, be. Yes, yes. And they're throwing different wrinkles at Trubisky, too. I mean, this was kind of a similar story last year. Vic Fangio's defense gave Trubisky all sorts of problems. Remember this? We, we yeah. literally wrote what we're talking about last year because Fangio's defense was that good. Now, that turned into a great season from the defense. And, look, Pagano's putting his stamp on this defense. To, to me, how about when we were talking up in the stands, and I'm like, who's that guy? Why is that guy yelling so much? Who is that guy? Yeah, I had to get the binoculars just because he was so far away. We were so far away. It was Chuck Pagano. Yeah. We never saw that from Vic Fangio. <laughs> you know, he may do some animated things here or there, and he was said to be very, very animated, you know, during during games. But, like, on the field... Like that, the way Pagano was screaming at some of his reserves and some of his starters at some points, Vic was never like that. There's a change. And, again, I've written this. I think change will be good for the defense. You're not going to have complacency when you got new guys barking at you. I think it helps combat that. I also think that there's been a, a couple early good signs for on the depth with the defense at some positions that maybe uh, we were a little worried about coming in. Deion Bush is having a really nice camp, and he's getting a lot of opportunity because ha-ha, Clinton Dix has been out. Uh, Clinton Dix was taken off pup, but he you know, is still not practicing full go in these padded practices. So... You know, Deion Bush has been involved in a lot of reps, and th- like this morning, he was making a-, a ton of good plays. A couple interceptions, yeah, actually. Um, some off some, but then he got beat later. He did get beat later, and, and for, for a couple touchdowns. I think I think it was Allen Robinson put him through the the shed a little bit. You got your notes there. What do you got? I got it here. My notes. I got a. Trubisky dime to Javon Wims. Oh, yeah, with 35-yard touchdown. He's been good this camp. we got to talk about him. Yeah, uh, and Deion Bush was in coverage on that, but it was a great throw. I mean, right in the bucket. Not many defensive players could stop that one. And then in a short yardage situation, press coverage against Allen Robinson. I mean, that's actually a situation where if we're going to have this debate between offense and defense, you would expect the offense to win that battle, yeah, yeah. right? Um, earlier in practice, though, Deion Bush uh, had a... Oh, Mike Davis actually yeah, ball went off his, off hand, his hands. But it was good hands by Deion Bush to, to haul it in. And then I mentioned the uh, breakup he had on Allen Robinson further downfield early in practice. So, anyway, the point there being... I like what I've seen from Deion Bush early on in practice. So if he's your third safety, that's encouraging to have some. And actually, he did a fine job. I mean, you miss Eddie Jackson because he was an all-pro in the playoff game, but he did an okay job. It's not like Deion Bush was a alarming Eddie Jackson problem. is one of the best safeties in the league. Yes. Some players are just irreplaceable. So there's going to be some steps you back. You try to survive without him, but some players are just yeah. simply irreplaceable. I also think Buster Screen has looked better than I thought he would. Um 
But I also have said many times that within the confines of this defense, the talent he has around him, he should play better with the Bears than he did with the Jets last year. And I think Duke Shelley is actually pushing him a little bit. Like, I don't know if that's a full-on competition, but the depth there at the nickel looks pretty decent. I'm sure Screen's seen some of the headlines, some of the comments that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have made. I mean, Shelly's made plays throughout the offseason program. Now, I know it's a bit different down here in Bourbon A. Everybody's here. Everybody's in pads and whatnot. But the, but the kids made plays. I didn't see much out of him today. I saw more of screen. But, look, that, play, that will play itself out. By the way, the Bears right now only have two healthy draft picks. That If we're going to talk about negatives, that's a little alarming. David Montgomery, of course, is one of them, so that's good. Duke Shelley being the other one. Otherwise, Riley Ridley still on the shelf with the hamstring. Uh, Kareth White Jr. is dealing with a, uh, what was it, hamstring and a foot sprain. And Stephen Denmark's got something going on, too. He hasn't been practicing. Yeah, yeah. Definitely disconcerting. I feel like we've had cases like this before where some rookies just get banged up because they can't take... uh, as not physical as it is, there's still some level of endurance from from more practices to this being a full time job for them that some of their bodies aren't prepared for. Well, all all due respect to Valdosta State, this is uh, an NFL training camp. <laughs> at all, I mean, at all, but there's a ring. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit a little bit different type of practice down here. So it, to your point, it's not too surprising. Yes, there's some physical things that, that change for these guys. And like you, you, you hear stories about these guys learning to be professionals for a reason. Because they're not all ready for this jump. It takes these guys maybe a year or two. Now guys like David Montgomery, maybe they're ready for it. Yeah. Not all of them are. No. Um, but knock on uh, concrete here, as I said here, no, no major injuries. So far, Adam Shaheen, the the, the, the Grizzly Giant. Yeah, but he's got a back, and he was out there. He early. was out there today. Yeah, early. He only did individual. Yes, but, um, they need to ease him back. He needs to practice. I've said that one. That one and Riley Ridley are on the um, concerning level. Yeah, well, they're, they're guys I think are will be on the Bears' fifty-three man roster. So yeah, but catastrophic injuries, nothing yet. Yeah, should you be knocking on some wood or something? Uh, concrete. That's okay. all I got. Have yeah, in front okay. of me. Yeah, that could so, work. We'll we'll do that for their sake. Uh, what else today? It's your first practice. Unload it. Yeah, yeah. How about that, Eddie Pinheiro? Nice bounce back for him. You're still. I guess. I, I'm just. Yeah. See, I kind of came. I kind of came back around last week. Like the full on kicker the, coverage. The I'm not full on. Only when I go on WGN Radio. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> that's all they ask me about. But. Um. I like the structure of the competition here. Them each getting a day. I like how they've responded to each other having good days. And Chris Tabor admitted today, we got a chance to talk to Chris Tabor, the Bears, Chris Tabor, the Bears special teams coordinator, that OTAs wasn't good enough. They were not good in OTAs. And they've stepped their game up so far here in Bourbon A. So I think that's at least encouraging. Yes. The fans seem into it. Awkwardly into it. When is that fair? Yeah, when they're kicking, like yeah. they, they, they do some Augusta silence, but not completely. And well, the some first cheers. day yes. was the best because okay. you weren't here for that. But Elliot Fry was kicking that. I think he had the first day, and um, so the way they're doing it, like in that one kicking portion of practice, you usually get like eight kicks. Yeah. So like he makes the first, and it was just actually no, he missed the first. So that wasn't a great way to start. <laughs> then the second one, I think I tweeted, Adam Johns would not have liked the ball flight on that kick. No. It was whoosh, all over the place. But B- went B- Benarski style? It was Benarski, but it went through. <laughs> Benarski, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Benarski did. It was the Benarski kick. And then 
the rest of them were a lot better. So as it built, the yes. fans were like, like didn't want to cheer. But then by the time he hit the 60-yarder at the end, they were all into it. Yeah. So it was like they were reluctantly cheering the kicker. Yeah, I, my friend, where I'm at on, on this kicking competition, I just wanted to get to real games. Like enough with the practices, enough with whatever they're trying to do to create more pressure. It's all fun. It's all good. I know what they're doing. But now let's take it to, to like, we, we got a football game in a week from now. A week from today. How about that? It's crazy. Uh, Everything I'm watching in that game has to do, because you're not going to see any real meaningful football players on the field, any meaningful football plays. It's all about the kickers. Yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if he even puts the starters in for a series, like, cause sometimes. No, no, I wouldn't even bother. But they did last year. Yeah. Not in the Hall of Fame game, right? No, but, but, then, the, but the, yeah, their second first yeah. game, if that makes sense to you listening. Um, I wouldn't do it. I mean, guys like Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks, Danny Trevath, they don't have to play. I don't even right. play Eddie Jackson in the preseason. Shabisky could use a few reps, but even then, if you're going to scale things back and make well, it vanilla. What I would say is if they do the same thing they did last year, which is sit out the third game completely, but Trubisky plays like a half of the second game, I would think it would be wise to get him out there for at least a series or two next week. Okay. Maybe one possession. Yeah. I mean, just to get just sort of back on the field and know that you could be hit. Not that he will be, but that, yeah. you know that's a possibility out there. I don't know. Who likes to get hit? Not me. No. You got it? You don't have I your soundboard. I don't have sound pad. We do not yeah. have soundboard capabilities right now no, in Burbank. No, no, we're in a courtyard in Burbank. But, but back boards. to your original question. Yes, part of me is tired of this kicker conversation. How can you not be covering yeah. it? I just like that something changed. Yes. That they're starting to kick a little bit better. And Tabor would not reveal who will how it'll be handled in the preseason. preseason but yeah, I'm, I saw that. I, State I, secrets. I would think they split the games up, too. I would two. hope so. I, if the way they're doing this in practice, I don't know why you would change it up then for the games. Yeah. But what if he doesn't get... What if Eddie Pinheiro is first and he only has kickoffs that don't score? I mean, that's the one thing you can't control. Yeah, yeah. It does make it difficult, but th- th- that goes back to what we've talked about a couple of times. Like, maybe you have to kick on third down. If it's the fourth quarter and he doesn't have a kick yet in the game, you might have to just do it. Well, at the very least, we're what, a week in the training camp? The kickers have been better. That's refreshing than the storyline when they were pretty pretty bad. E- even though Fry was pretty reliable during the offseason program, it's it's better. It's the competition better. is better. Yeah, you don't looks, have the circus that once was. It looks like they have two kickers potentially capable of kicking in the NFL. I'm going to hedge that as much as I can. But in the spring... you got to see it to believe it. In the spring, when there's eight guys at rookie minicamp, it looked like you had eight college kickers there. Yeah. I mean, that's what it looked like. So I, I, I think it's been a, a step up so far. And for Seeing the Bears is believing. Sake, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, going to... Better keep going that way. Look, the last thing the Bears want is this playing out into the regular season where you have to make a kicking change. Like, say, Pinheiro wins and then he stinks and you got to bring back Elliot Fry. You don't want that. You don't. You want one of these guys to win it and secure it yeah. for this season, maybe beyond. I don't want to get too carried away, but that's what you're looking for. I mean, Pace has is, is used the descriptions of Justin Tucker and Will Lutz. Those are his examples. That's what the Bears are looking for. Someone who will bring stability. A young guy who brings some stability to it relatively young team that's on the verge of some very big things. Uh, Chris Tabor 
was uh, how would you ex- describe him today? Terse. Yeah, not completely thrilled about kick talking about the kicking competition. He did have a couple, um, couple interesting moments though. I thought where he. Especially when he was talking about how the kicking competition has gotten better here as it goes along. So let's play just a quick portion uh, from Chris Tabor here today in Bourbonnais. It feels like since they got to Bourbonnais, that competition has amped up a little bit. And maybe the results have been even better compared to at least what we were able to see in the spring. Is, is that accurate? And why do you think that is? I think it is. I mean, to be, to a man, OTA performance wasn't wasn't good enough. And they understand that. And we're out front with that. And, and they're, they're performing. They, they got it. They can... They can only control what they can control, and I think the, I think both guys are doing that. You know, um, it's well, we'll see how it plays out. Has any of their, seems, their competition oh. with each other and the way they've handled this surprised you at all? Did you expect them to be to be hitting them the way that they are, and especially under the attention? <laughs> to be honest with you, I did expect them to do well. And I, I know uh, I know that when you go through this process, there's there's growing pains, and we've experienced that, and we're still experiencing it. But uh, they're, they're they're stepping up to it. I mean, this is it's for real now. This is this isn't OTAs where you miss some and hey, let's go tweak a few things. This is I need to make my kicks. Days are limited. Games are limited. I mean, we're going to still play on Thursday night against Green Bay, and we're going to need a kicker. All right, so that will uh, wrap up today's portion of the uh, kicking talk since uh, John's Kick, kicking segment over we'll have to bring kevin fishman back in to talk kick oh did you tell me he was passionate about it uh he didn't mind talking about it yeah by the <laughs> way look at my iphone it's i think it's about to explode oh you have a temperature warning yeah I got it. it won't work it is locked down because i just had it sitting in the sun the, the science is amazing yeah um yeah black phone in the hot sun not a good idea uh the one thing i do want to talk about is are you sure you don't have any mechanical issues you want to break down from a kicking standpoint before we move on? <laughs> Just want to double check your last chance. You know, I, I thought that Pinero was was short kicking it a little bit. You are the Jamie Cole of this podcast. I am so. not the Jamie Cole of this podcast. I just. <laughs> No, a good kick when I see one. I, <laughs> to be fair, I don't need to stand behind the guys with an iPad to know the mechanics could be off. But I, I thought Pinero, I, I thought maybe he could have followed through a little bit more. I felt like he had a, like when he missed a 55 yarder, I'm thinking to myself, this is the kid who made like a 70 something in yeah. practice. Like, where's the oomph? Follow through. I felt like he was very concerned with his mechanics. Well, the 55 yarder, Chris Tabor said, was chunky. And I appreciated that Mark Grody followed up on that. <laughs> Like the candy bar? Like, yeah. Was it like a chunky candy bar? It's like a golf shot, Mark. Yeah. You know, trust me, I had a couple the other day here in Bourbon. Yeah, you you chunked it up. I hit six six inches behind my ball. It didn't go very far. Yeah. It certainly didn't go 55 yards. That's a good good description there. (laughs) That works. So, um, yeah, all right. Chuck Pagano, not Chunky, but Chucky. Chunky Pagano. Yeah, (laughs) not Chunky Pagano. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him today. I just... He's he's not afraid. Multiple times he has over and over said that. Um, by the way, was that Larry Mayer and Ryan Pace? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I, I had to give it the golf cart. <laughs> I, had, I had to give the you know the quick double 
check on that as, as they zoom by together. Are we sure Larry's not holding him hostage? <laughs> like, do we have a hostage situation going <laughs> yeah, on here yeah. on the ONU? Uh, uh, look, not, Ryan, we really yeah. need some, you know, more desserts back in the, the cafeteria. <laughs> this this health thing we got going on here is just not working for me. Back in Lovey's days, back yeah, when right. Weinstead was coach, yeah. we had chocolate cake there on Wednesdays. We had unlimited <laughs> we need to bring that desserts. Back. Lobster and steak on Thursdays, Ryan. Oh, we heard about we the lobster. We got to bring this back. Oh, yeah, Larry doesn't miss lobster day. They still do lobster day? I don't know. All right. Uh, we certainly aren't invited to that. Thank Chuck you, Pagano. John Fox. Chuck Pagano. Um, he's talked about it. It's a great situation he's come in. And, but I did want to play some of this today because uh, I asked him about just being back coaching in training camp like, and how important that is to him. And here's the answer. It's, you know, it's what I do. It's what I love to do. 33 straight years, and then you don't have it. You don't have a team. You know, my family, my wife, my kids don't have anybody to root for. Now we got a team again. You know, so I'm back coaching. You know, you're at the grassroots level again, and it's, and again, it's uh, it's a good a situation that I, I could have never dreamed of. You know, I'm truly blessed to be here. It's awesome. As a former coach yourself, what has stood out to you about the way Matt has used the successes and failures of last year going forward with this group? Yeah, you know, his the culture, first of all, that he's built is, is off the charts. It's very unique. You don't find it uh, very often. Um, he's got a vision for this football team, and he understands, you know, it's a lot harder to handle success than failure, you know, and he's not going to let this team get complacent. And he's going to keep his, his, his thumb on these guys, and he's going to push them. He does a great job of that. He pushes us as coaches, and he pushes these players, and he's not going to let them relax. Um, we know how hard it is to get to the playoffs. We know how hard it is uh, to win 12 games. You know, Now you want to have an opportunity to go do that and maybe win just one more game. The statistics are alarming. Go from 12 wins to 13. It's like in the last 10 years, there's only been about 7% of the teams that have done that. So he's done a great job of pounding that message home. Chasing great, sweeping the sheds, doing the little things better than everybody else. He's done a phenomenal job. All right, there's the Bears defensive coordinator. It kind of brings this podcast full circle because I I understand the angst people have towards Mitch Trubisky, and they just want to see him light the world on fire. I get all that. But I still think the bigger headline from training camp so far has been that this defense looks like it's clicking. And, yeah, it's – the beginning of training camp is geared towards the defense winning, but it looked to me like it looks like it's just picking up right where it left off. Like yeah. there's no issues really. Yeah. They're all over the field. The defensive line looks great. Akeem Hicks looks great. Khalil Mack looks great. And it's all Kyle Fuller looks really great today. He does. He looks good. And and there's some people that might have questions about him going forward, but he's he still looks like an all pro too. So the fact to me, the fact that this defense is looking this good under a new coordinator because I feel like we were underrating that a little bit. There is a new coordinator. It's a big deal. To me, that's much a bigger headline than, okay, maybe the offense is still go, you know, figuring yeah, things yeah. out. See, I, I feel like defensively changes are easier to handle because they still have the same players. Now, offensively, when you install a new offense... Well, tell that to Mel Tucker. Yeah, that's a big show. <laughs> anyway, forget that reference right, right there. Um, yeah, that did not work. That's why Chuck Pagano's putting in new things. Yeah. He's challenging him in different ways. He's not trying to run Lovey Smith's old defense, or in this case, Vic Fangio's old defense. That failed. We've seen that fail miserably. But you know what? To be fair to our old friend Mel Tucker, Chuck Pagano's been dealt a significantly better hand. 
significantly oh, yeah. better. Yeah. I mean, he's got a transcendent talent at outside linebacker. He's got a, a could be all pro linebacker in Roquan Smith. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller's a pro bowler, all pro. They're loaded. The entire defense is loaded. And they're still pretty hungry, it seems to me. Still got that, that edge to them. So, yeah, been well, dealt a good hand. I imagine when Vic Fangio left, the uh, the line was out the door at House Hall that, to interview for the defensive coordinator job. I mean, you probably had a lot of guys that wanted the job because they realized there's a decent chance they could be a head coach in a year. Yeah, but Pagano doesn't even want that. Well, I know. That's why I think the Bears, I think they probably played part of the role in yes. who they end yes. up hiring. Uh, scheme being one of them, very similar schemes. Guy was, you know, cl- still clearly motivated to coach, um, but seems to. And I'm always hesitant about this because, let's be honest, you know, things can change. If Chuck Pagano got offered a head coaching job in January, yeah, yeah he may is he really going to yeah, turn yeah, it down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Knows, like, yeah. but I, but, I but do he's lived that life already. He, he has, yes, and uh, and I'm also not sure that you know. I mean, Vic Fangio did get a job offer, but most he, he's the exception to the general rule now, which is you got to be younger and, and offensive minded, yeah. you know, some quarterback background. I don't know whoever put this saying in my head, but it's it's not the X's and O's, but the Jimmys and Joes, and and the Bears have some good ones. I defense. See, even if you just go back to like the '85, '86 Bears. This is how long. This is why this this saying is so true. Like Buddy Ryan leaves, that defense was still pretty darn good after yeah. he left. You know why? Because the Jimmys and Joes. Yep. The players are the ones who make the plays. And I get that the, the, the schematics of things are immensely important. The motivations of things are immensely important. And having the right guy in charge could, could really take those Jimmys and Joes to the next level. But you know what? There's a good foundation there. You got Cleo Mack here for a full training camp. You got Roquan Smith here for a full training camp. Some good things afoot for the Bears defense. Don't underrate what they're becoming. Also, the other thing that Pagano talked about today... I thought was extremely interesting. Matt Nagy's coaching style, making sure that these guys do not get complacent and pound. Not just like saying those things, but he actually brought facts to the table. I mean, I haven't double-checked this, but Picano said that one of the things Nagy has pounded into the Bears' heads is that, okay, yeah, you won 12 games. In the last 10 years, all the teams that won 12 games, do you know how many came back and won at least 13 the following year? 7%. 7%, yeah. Yeah. Chuck Pagano did say that. Now, again, you going to grab the numbers? I haven't fact-checked that. But uh, the whatever, the point the point is legitimate. And it's it's one thing to win 12 games. It's a lot harder to come back and do it back-to-back yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Personally, I don't think they win 12. I think they maybe win 11. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, if they do 13... I mean, you're talking about a special year. I mean, it could still be a special year with, with 11 wins, but the, the Bears are in that range. I don't care what their schedule says. They're going to be favored in a lot of these games. We t- you talked about it yes. a lot. That's why I still lean more towards 13. Yeah. I, I still believe that there's still a bunch of people struggling with the idea that the Bears are a good team. You know what? This is something I've been thinking about diving into. There's a lot of people out there who think the Bears are overrated right now. I think they're underrated. I, I actually still think they're underrated because I think that they're not getting I don't think enough people are paying attention to the fact that the age of the defense they should actually be better than they were last year now there's a difference between saying that and doing it because what they did last year was remarkable and is going to be really hard to to match 
But the idea that they're going to drop off is, to me, so unfounded that it's ridiculous. And I'll be shocked if the offense isn't at least a little better. So really, your only argument then for them taking a dive in the second year under Matt Nagy is that the schedule is just too hard. And yet, when I look at the schedule, I agree it's hard. I can't wait, actually, to see this go week by week because the matchups are so good. I still think the Bears are the better team in almost all of the games. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. now a lot changes once the season gets going, but that's, to me, how it looks right now. That's how it works for every team, So, I, I actually think that they're underrated, not overrated. That's fair. That's fair. Look, I've, I think I've been saying look a lot. It feels different to be back, Adam. It feels good to be back. I can look. I can listen. You can look. You can look, can look watch, listen, however it works. There, there's a lot of uncertainties with every team, but if the Bears stay healthy... What was it? Sports Illustrated had the like their analysis was was pretty fair, but then they said at the end that don't be surprised if you see a pre naggy like record. They were really bad. Yeah, what? Pre naggy like three and thirteen? Yes, then? like five and eleven bad. No, that's not happening, people. That is not happening. That 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 is the John Fox era. The only way that it happens catastrophic injuries is if Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack. Uh, Eddie Mitch, Jackson and Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Yeah, if those four guys get hurt. Yeah, throwing three cone for the for the, yeah. for the time being. It's just, that's how it happens. But even then, they should be able to surprise some, a few teams. Just saying. I think people are struggling. I, I, I firmly believe this. Yeah, they're struggling with the idea that the Bears are good. That they're back. That they could be yeah. back. They and, and you know what? Maybe the Bears don't deserve that credit yet. They've been pretty darn bad. Again, we just mentioned the John Fox era. Yeah. The Mark Trestman era. People have been disappointed before. We've we've seen them fail before. I've already this seen, feels different. I've already seen people pick the Packers in Week One already. Um, whereas I kind of look at the Packers situation almost like when the Bears fired Lovey Smith and hired Mark Tressman. Now I'm not saying Matt Lafleur is Mark Tressman. I don't know him that well yet, but I look at the fact that there's already a aging quarterback there that has his own. Set ways Way of, of doing, doing things. things. They're throwing money at the defense to salvage it. They're not building it with draft picks. They threw a lot of money out there to make a mediocre defense, maybe an average defense. Yes. Which is not unlike what the Bears were doing at that time after they got rid of Lovey. You have a quarterback playing for his legacy. And that quarterback's got one Super Bowl. I don't and see what that should be, team uh, winning the Super yeah, Bowl. No, 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 no. I'm sure he feels like he deserves a lot more. Yeah, that team is not built to compete that way right now. It well, may never be in his tenure. It may not be that way again. No, will they be better than last year? I think that's possible. Um, I think the Vikings are gonna be better. I, I think it's gonna be a a harder fight in the division this year than it was last year. I will say that, but I still think the Bears are the best team. So, and I will be surprised if they lose that first night at home, but. We got plenty of time to break that down. Yes, we do. We are a, a ways away from that, uh, but it's good to have you back. But it feels good to be back. Good next, to be seen. Next week we're gonna have a game to talk about. Wow, wow, Panthers! You were just waiting for there to be a game. Mm-hmm. It's game week, mm-hmm. kind of. Will be practice. Practice. Talking about practice. Yeah. The dog days of Bourbon, eh? Now there's a breeze. How was my Allen Iverson? Was that pretty good? It was not good. No. 
Still a famous clip. <laughs> Where would you rank that clip in terms of the the R who we thought they were, the Allen Iverson yeah. practice, the Jim Mora playoffs, playoffs, playoffs? It's up there. Those are those uh, are like uh, top five, top ten. Absolutely. And Matt Nagy saying he needs a cheeseburger. Yeah, oh, that's different. He actually was just driving by as I said that. Yes, there he goes. <laughs> On his way to get a cheeseburger, maybe. you got to be careful here. All of a sudden, Larry Mayer might be behind you with Ryan Pace. All right, we got to go. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read Johnsy's story on Tony, Tony Medlin at The Athletic on The Athletic app. You can read my stuff at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you guys doing that. It's good seeing you out here in Bourbonnet, and we will talk to you probably on Monday after the weekend. Yeah, we're back, baby. And uh, Carlos Santos.